the Americhicks with Molly Votes and Kim Monson. The most important stories. They are like this newfound, off-hinged part of the left. Even Chuck Schumer's pushing back on. The latest in politics and world affairs. The buck is stopping with Trump. The different administrations prior to him have been kicking the can down the road on a number of issues. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. The heart of this is, is the U.S. Constitution a progressive document? Or is it something that should be looked at as an original document? It's the Americhicks. Molly and Kim. Because face it, ideas matter. Because ideas matter. Ideas do indeed matter. Welcome to the AmeriChicks. I am Kim Munson. We have in studio with us today one of our favorite millennials, Stephen Kessler. Good morning and thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. It's very, everything just kind of works out because we will be going through headlines. Immigration is one of the big headlines. And Stephen Kessler, you have a paper that is going to go live on Sunday on immigration. Sure, at thevogelinview.com. Uh, it's a scholarly website named after a political scientist named Eric Vogelin. And um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing it go live. Okay, well, we're going to have a lot to talk about regarding immigration. We have a big show planned. We are the AmeriChicks. Be sure and check us out on Facebook and Twitter. That's where we are. And check out our website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for our emails. Uh, We will keep you apprised of upcoming guests, upcoming subjects, and important new events that are uh, going to be occurring. And one of those, Stephen, I don't know if you are aware of it, but we are partnering with Dr. Tom Cranwitter, who is uh, one of the foremost experts on the Constitution, the American idea, the Patriots, Lincoln, and we are doing a Federalist Papers book club. Oh. And it's Vino and Veritas. It'll be at Water's Edge Winery the fourth Monday of each month, starting this month, January 28th. And uh, it is a book club that uh, I think that people would love to be part of. It's going to be rich. Uh, You're going to be able to get your hands around these ideas or your brain around these ideas that are the founding of America. And so go to our website, americhicks.com, and their link is there. People can sign up. Uh, There is a a tuition fee at the door, and then you can uh, purchase any great wine or food that Jennifer Hewlin has. She's the owner of Water's Edge Winery, and it's going to be... Uh, a really great event. And, you know, I, I'd highly recommend that you you sign up. Reservations are coming in. We will be limited on the number of people that can attend. So if you are interested, be sure and sign up. So that's com. Vito and Veritas. Nice. I'm a big believer in the Federalist Papers. I'm a big fan of what they talk about. I read them recently again for probably the second time and just fantastic. Well, I'm a little embarrassed to say I've actually never read the complete Federalist Papers. And so it's time for me to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if, for those of you that aren't familiar with the Federalist Papers, the Federalist Papers are basically a legend, a key, a map to interpreting the Constitution. They were written by three people, Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and to a lesser extent, John Jay. Mm-hmm. And what they talk about over and over and over again is the savage and beastly nature of man that necessitates restraints. For when the restraints on our passions and appetites are removed, they run amok. And that's really, the. if I had to summarize the pith of the Federalist Papers, that would be it. Um, I actually have a piece of scholarship, another piece on the Vogelin View, called An Ever Better Constitution, Progressivism is Ideology in the U.S. Constitution. It's available on the Vogelin View, and I talk about the ideology of progressivism, and it's diametric opposition, which is the tragic nature of the human condition. And then I apply them to the Federalist Papers. 
Fascinating. Spoiler alert. <laughs> The, the the Constitution is not progressivist. It's they meant what they said, and they meant it at the time, and they meant it to last. Well, now Stephen Kessler, you are a millennial. Millennials uh, get a lot of. Uh, in fact, I know some millennials that say, "Don't call me a millennial," because they've been getting a bit of a bad rap. But tell us a little bit about your story, because you weren't always this great lover of the Federalist Papers, were you? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm I'm a full blown conservative convert. Um, so I'm in, uh, you know, my family was in the Burger King franchise industry and that was coming to a close. So I went and my father, who was a professor at the University of Rochester at the Simon School of Business, and he's not really in the trenches. He's a clinical professor and he's at the business school. So he recommends that I go for a program called higher ed administration because there's a college in every place and it's, it's like an easier lifestyle than the restaurant business. So I go in and I enroll and I'm there and it's not clicking. You know, something something is is askew. I'm public enemy number one after one class. I don't know anyone from a hole in the wall. Do you know why you're public enemy number one? Well, I found out why. Um, because I was a white, male, able-bodied, cisgendered, heterosexual. And that made me pretty much, not quite Hitler, but I would say Goebbels. I, I, you know, <laughs> I was like somewhere on the list. I then learned that the scholarship was real diet and low calorie. Um, all you have to know is a handful of bullet-pointed things to be a liberal scholar. Number one, we were born benevolent but corrupted by society. Society corrupts us because it's an arbitrary social construct. Everything we do is made-up nonsense, predicated on preserving the power structure of white, male, able-bodied, cisgender, heterosexual. People like me, and to a lesser extent people like you... Sure. We are successful because society is structured to favor us, and then we step on the heads and shoulders of the Marxist term, which is people of color, and uh, that's why we're successful, that's why they're unsuccessful, and if we fix society, we can return the natural equity to the world. But it doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, it, it, no, 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 it doesn't work at all. And so I then stumbled into a paper um, based on a book called the Sociological Tradition by Robert Nisbet, blows my mind. He defines liberalism, conservatism clearly, and then the next thing I know, I'm hooked. And uh, so you, <laughs> what happened? You, did you get your PhD? Oh in? yeah, I, fin I finished my doctorate from the University of Rochester, and um, I'm actually looking for a position in the conservative movement right now, somewhere I can apply my, my knowledge, my skills, and my passion I'm open to just about anything, anytime, anywhere. So, so something scholarly, though, ideal. What, uh, ideally. We're actually in a couple of minutes. Um, we're we're going to be talking with Dan Benning, who is with the Colorado Propane uh, Association, because there almost was a propane shortage for 33,000 rural Colorado res uh, uh, residents. And so we want to talk a little bit about it. The crisis was averted with a disaster emergency uh, declaration by Governor Hickenlooper on Christmas Eve. But how did we get there? So we're going to give about uh, five minutes on that. Then in the second segment, we want to talk about Romney sure. and his op-ed. And now Cory Gardner has come out regarding uh, uh, immigration and, uh, and talk about the accomplishments of President Trump. And then in the third and fourth segment, uh, I think let's talk about your immigration paper that is going to be uh, coming out on Sunday, mm -hmm. because I think that that really plays into sure. the Romney and the uh, uh, the Gardner comments. And yeah. so that's what the show's going to look like today. Particularly when 
Go ahead. Oh, particularly when Romney talks about the political upheaval that's happening in Europe as well as in uh, Asia and, and the Middle East, where he says it's autocratic, corrupt, and brutal. We're going to talk about appeasement, deterrence, and the natural goodness of man. Perfect. So stay tuned for that. Right now, though, we have on the line with us Dan Benning. He's with the Colorado Propane Association. And this was just a little something that we saw in the newspaper uh, right after Christmas. It was near the back, but it was important. Dan Benning, it looked like there was the potential that 33,000 rural Colorado residents might not have had heat during Christmas because there might have been a propane shortage here in Colorado. Dan Benning, welcome. Well, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. What sure. happened? How did we get to this point? Well, um, there were a number, uh, six to be precise, of local and close to local supply points that went down, meaning they weren't producing uh, propane or any other product, uh, during the three weeks leading up to um, the situation being um brought up and um, that forced uh, propane companies and their transportation companies to have to go further to get propane there's plenty of propane as of uh, last week there were 72 million barrels underground in the United States which is 21 days of supply for the entire country so there's there's plenty of propane underground but unfortunately for us that the storages are in Conway, Kansas, um, in Utah, and in Atamana, Arizona. So that added anywhere from six and a half to seven, eight hours of extra driving time. And frequently when they got to those storage locations, they had to wait uh, two to five hours in line. So the federal government requires that a driver can uh, only work 14 hours a day and then he has to rest. And um, so when you have two to five hours in line plus the extra driving time, instead of getting uh, basically two loads a day off if they're going local for supply, they're getting a load every other day uh, to their retail suppliers. A load of propane is approximately 10,000 gallons. So you could see that propane retailers' uh, storage would start to shrink pretty rapidly. So the Colorado Propane Gas Association went to the state government and basically asked them to uh, do something that really hadn't been done in the past. It was to basically proactively suspend hours of services prior to an emergency happening. And after collecting some data and getting it to the state, they agreed for a two-week suspension of hours of service. That seems to have worked. Uh, As of yesterday, the last day I was asking people to provide me with inventory levels, inventory levels were going up at the retailers across the state, and it looks like we've adverted a situation that could have been quite serious. Well, yeah, it would have been very serious for 33,000 residents here in Colorado. And uh, just to unpack this regulation just a little bit more, this is a federal regulation that limits, quote-unquote, the time that uh, truck drivers can work, uh, implying they can, you know, I mean, quite frankly, driving 14 hours a day uh, probably is somewhat dangerous. Although, as a conservatarian, 
I would say instead of a uh, regulation from the government, I would look at that and say, hey, I don't want to wreck my rig. I don't want to hurt other people. So I'm going to make sure that I'm responsible uh, and, and you know, have the rest that I need so that I can do my job. But to your point, they might be sitting in line for two to five hours. They can nap during that time uh, so that they're ready to roll. And uh, unfortunately, there's this federal regulation that did not allow that to happen. So this regulation was lifted. Interesting, how can the state do a, uh, a disaster declaration, emergency declaration, and override a federal regulation? How does that work? I believe the state, and, and I'm not 100% sure, but I believe the state has to declare a state of emergency, which will allow them to temporarily suspend federal regulations. Not an attorney. I don't know for sure if that's the fact, but I believe if they do, uh, they can suspend them. Okay. Well, I think that we'll talk with our, our favorite millennial that we have in studio with us right now, Stephen Kessler, about that regulation. Uh, I, I appreciate you, Dan, coming on and explaining what happened. Just one other question, though. You said there were six points that went down prior to this of propane, uh, I guess, supplies. Uh, very quickly, what happened with those uh, six points? Well, n- nothing in common happened with any of them. There were very s- uh, unusual situations. Uh, one went down due to connectivity issues. Um, I guess you have to have the Internet to run a refinery anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one went down because of a large pump that broke, and they didn't have the spare parts on hand, and they had to go out of state to get them. That kept them down for a week. And a series of st- Strange things like that um, happened that normally don't. Everything's up and running right now, albeit at not quite 100% capacity. The colder the weather, the and it's, this is very technical, but the colder the weather, the le- least lesser amount of gas a um, gas separation plant can turn out. And from collection, collection issues to compressors not running as efficiently and things like that. So we're not having a local issue at this point. Well, it looks. It sounds to me like you guys over at the Colorado Propane Association had some vision. You got out in front of this, and so 33,000 Colorado, Colorado restu- uh, residents had heat during Christmas. So way to go, Dan Benning. Thank you so much for explaining this to the Americans. Thank you. Um, Dan, would you mind if... I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Would you mind if I ask kind of um, a rudimentary question about propane? Sure. Sure. Um, Is it being... How are we getting this propane? Is it being fracked or is it coming from, you know, a different source? Propane comes from, excuse me, two primary sources in the United States. Uh, The first and foremost is uh, when natural gas comes out of the ground, it has... Called, it's what's called natural gas liquids in it. Uh, one of those natural gas liquids is propane. They have to separate those liquids out before they can sell that natural gas to you know, natural gas utilities such as Xcel Energy. Um, there's requirements for maximum BTU loads on pipelines, et cetera, et cetera. And they can get more money for the propane than they can for natural gas. So it, it makes sense for them to strip out the propane, the butane, the ethane, the pentane, all the anes that go on ad nauseum. And so that's about roughly 70 to 75% of the gas produced in the United States. 
the rest of it comes from petroleum refining. Uh, whenever you uh, refine a barrel of oil and to get it really basic, you're basically cooking it, to, you're, you're heating it to um, get the various products to separate. Each of the various products or chemical compounds boils at a uh, different temperature. So propane being one of the lighter of the, of the um, products boils at 44 below zero, so they don't really have to do too much to, <laughs> to get propane out of the stream. But if you ever drive by a refinery, you'll see, you'll see tall stacks with various pipes coming out of it at different levels. Mm-hmm. And those are the various, those, those various pipes coming out of that tall stack are the various products being collected. And um, so whenever you, whenever you cook a barrel of propane, or of crude, excuse me, you're going to get some propane. So they can maximize various products by doing different things, such as uh, catalytic cracking and, and others. But no matter what, you're going to get some propane out of it. And that's, that used to be, uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, the majority of propane production came from refining. But with, the, with um, natural gas and the fracking of the shale fields, uh, that's swung around completely, and most of propane comes from natural gas now. Okay. Well, Dan Binning, this is, uh, uh, we certainly had a primer on propane, so that's just awesome. So, Dan <laughs> Binning, Colorado Propane Association, thank you so much. Uh, uh, we're going to go to break here in just a moment, but before we do that... Uh, Stephen, you probably know that the NFL playoffs are here. And Saturday, the wild card games are the Colts are playing the Texans and the Seahawks are playing the Cowboys. Then Sunday, it's the Chargers. They're matched against the Ravens and the Eagles play the Bears. So did you know that Pro Football Hall of Famer and Fox Sports NFL host Howie Long's sons, Chris and Kyle, will face off in the Eagles-Bears matchup? Did you know that? No, I did not. Well, now you do. So where will you watch the game? Well, Hooters. Hooters is your game day headquarters. Watch the NFL playoffs and the big game at Hooters. Special start at $10 for a draft and, uh, t- and 10 boneless wings. And come into any Hooters during the big game, and you can enter to win a brand-new 55-inch 4K HDR TV. And Sounds did, good. Yeah. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? I, I did not know they that. They can. You can have Hooters new smoked wings delivered right to your doorstep. They are delish and are only half the calories. So order your Hooters to go or for delivery from any Hooters in Colorado, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com for more information. This is the AmeriChicks with Stephen Kessler. Our guests will be right back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the AmeriChicks and grow your business, contact them at AmeriChicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine recently celebrated 30 years with REMAX Alliance. 
Karen Levine believes in homeownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. The Americhicks, Molly and Kim, know Karen Levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks. I am Kim Munson. We have in studio with us Stephen Kessler. He is one of our favorite millennial scholars. And we'll be talking about immigration uh, and you have an immigration paper, Stephen, that is going to be published on Sunday. Yes, ma'am, at the uh, Voglinview.com. Vogel, V-O-G-L? V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N, View. It's named after a guy called, uh, it's called, it's named after a guy named Eric Voglin, who was a political okay. scientist. Okay, so one more time, that spelling? V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N, View, the Voglin View. And the paper is called constructive dialogues, understanding immigration. Okay, fantastic. We'll be looking forward to that. Uh, yes, we are the Americhicks. Check out our website, americhicks.com. Be sure and sign up for our emails. And we are the Americhicks Facebook and Twitter as well. And also we've got this fantastic Vino and Veritas uh, book club that will be starting on January 28th. Go to our website. Their link is there so that you can sign up. A lot is going on, Stephen, though. I was shocked on New Year's Eve to see that uh, at that time, Senator-elect from Utah, Mitt Romney, came out swinging against President Trump. Uh, And then, interestingly enough, President Trump uh, responded, well, you would expect him to respond, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, I wish that Mitt would be a team player. Um, but uh, we, I want, let's unpack a little bit this Mitt Romney op-ed. Before we do that, though, even if you do not like the tenor of the way Donald Trump speaks, Bob Duco, who is with Crawford Broadcasting out of our Detroit uh, studios, did an excellent piece regarding uh, President Trump's accomplishments. So, Steve, producer, would you go ahead and play that for us, please? Well, today I want to ask a gut check question. <laughs> of conservatives in this country, but specifically conservative Trump haters, the never Trumpers. I understand there's a lot of never Trumpers who don't like his style, don't like his personality, don't like his tweets. Okay, fine. I touched on this on an earlier commentary this week. But my gut check question for you, plain and simple for 2019 is this. Does style and personality mean more to you than substance and results? I know a lot of you, you just hate Donald Trump's personality. Okay, fine. By the way, there are a lot of people who like his personality, too, and like the blunt, straightforward, brash talking that he does. But for those of you that don't like it, that's fine, too. But here's the reality. You have to choose between his style and his substance. You can't have both. That's not in Donald Trump's DNA. So you have to ask yourself, do his results outweigh, or can I say, Trump his style? I mean, let me remind you folks of the substance that this man has brought. Look at the progress that's been made with the defeating of ISIS, with moving North Korea closer to denuclearization, to the concessions that we've managed so far to get out of China, what we've done so far with Iran and pulling us out of the nuclear deal there, 
getting NATO nations to pay more money like they should, new Canadian and Mexico trade agreements that are more beneficial to the U.S., overhauling the Veterans Administration, attacking the opioid crisis, reinvigorating the space program, building up the military, successfully negotiating the release of over a dozen U.S. citizens held prisoner in North Korea, China, and other countries. Not to mention, oh, I don't know, a booming economy? Unemployment in the threes, the lowest ever unemployment for blacks, Hispanics, Asians and others. Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Dozens of other young conservative pro-life Christian federal judges all across the country. Individual taxes lowered. Corporate taxes lowered from 35 percent down to 21 percent. The Obamacare individual mandate gone. The U.S. Embassy in Israel now in Jerusalem. On top of that, we're out of NAFTA, we're out of the Paris Global Warming Climate Change Accord, we're out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, we're out of the Iran nuclear deal, our schools are no longer forcing children by government order to make their showers and locker rooms transgender, we've opened up ANWR and offshore drilling. As a matter of fact, the U.S. is now the world's number one oil producer, New criminal justice reform and, of course, more pro-lifers and more Christians running the government than the Bush and Reagan administrations combined. No matter what you think of Trump, you cannot deny these actual results. And I would argue whether you like his personality or dislike his personality, either way, results have to matter more. Substance trumps style. Wow. Stephen Kessler, that is quite a list. I thought that it was amazing when Bob Ducon went through that list of accomplishments. Yes, ma'am. He, he's really been hitting it out the park. Just about everything he's touched, he's succeeded with. Well, and this has only been, he hasn't even uh, really been in office two years yet. So this is a guy, he's a populist. If you look at that list, uh, I think he is a guy that cares deeply about everyday uh, American individuals, no matter what the descriptor is, if the economy goes up, if the if the if the uh, tide comes in and it's lifting boats, everybody uh, benefits from that. So I'd like to unpack that a bit more because immigration is such an important issue, and he is is making a, a line in the sand on that. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit more in the third and fourth segment. Before okay. we do that, though, we have Jason McBride on the line with us this morning, as we do every morning. Uh, he's with Presidential Wealth management. And uh, we talked about Santa Claus uh, uh, several days ago on whether or not we were going to have a Santa Claus rally. So Jason McBride, what did that mean exactly? What is that Santa Claus rally that we're talking about? Well, good morning, Kim. To do a quick recap on that, there's an old adage on Wall Street that says, if Santa Claus should fail to call, the bears may come to broad and wall. So if the market rallies during the last five trading days of the year and the first two trading days of the next year, so if that seven-day period is positive, uh, that's called the Santa Claus rally. And it, the adage says if that rally doesn't happen, that it might precede a bear market or a period where we see a drop in stock prices. Well, the market's had some good and uh, some really bad days since then. So did we get the rally this year or not? You know, we actually did. Even with uh, the, the crummy day we had yesterday and some other nastiness on uh, New Year, Christ, yeah, Christmas Eve, 
What's is that? Is it called Christmas Eve? That doesn't sound right. Christmas Day Eve or something? I don't know. Christmas, well, okay, <laughs> Christmas Eve. It's one of those things, but yeah. But we had a couple of good days in there too. And actually, yes, we did get uh, that rally this year during that period. Uh, the S and P five hundred was up about one percent. So, yep, we did get the rally this year. Okay. So, what do you think as we look at the long term record? Is this indicator worth a lump of coal? Yeah, I'll tell you, this is kind of a tough one. Uh, since 1950, Santa has failed to show up a dozen times. Now, twice, that was uh, uh, bear markets. 2000 and 2008 followed that. Uh, but the other ten times, uh, three times you got good rallies in the market with no chance to buy in on a dip. Uh, three times you got a drop in prices and then a big rally. Uh Four times, not a whole heck of a lot happened. So, really, it was only like two out of twelve times that you would have been hurt by not paying it or not heeding this uh, signal. Uh, Ten out of twelve times, you'd have been fine by not paying any attention to it at all. And uh, you know, it's interesting. Both of the times that we didn't get the rally, and then a terrible market came after that were pre-election years. So I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, Kim. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know what, uh, Jason? I uh, I never actually told my kids anything about Santa Claus. I said, if you don't believe, he won't show up. And so I think, uh, given what you've just told us, told us this morning, I think I'm still going to believe in Santa Claus. How's that? Well, that sounds fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, I believe in Santa. I, I don't know about this indicator. I, I mean, there's just not a lot to it. Uh, you could say, well, geez, but twice when it when Santa didn't come, we got really bad bear markets. But keep in mind, there there was all kinds of times when Santa did come. Uh, seven out of the thirty-seven years that he did come to visit, we still got uh, drops in the market. So. I don't know. This is kind of a uh, harbinger indicator, I guess, in years that we don't get it. You might take a little bit more of a cautious approach, but I'd say overall, I like Santa, but I think this indicator is kind of a dud. Okay, well, I think that it's a lot of fun to talk about that. Jason McBride, thank you so much. Presidential Wealth Management, we'll see what you have to say tomorrow morning. That phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. And you know what? People can check out our, we have a, a landing page over on your website, chickspresidential.com, so be sure and check that out as well. So, Jason, have a great day. We will talk to you again on Monday. Thanks, Kim. Have a great show. Okay, thanks, thanks. Jason. Thanks so much. And so, Stephen, we're going to go to break. Sure. Uh, I can't wait to bite this off. We just went through that list of accomplishments, and that seems like that is worth something. However, I was surprised that uh, Mitt Romney came after President Trump. And then last night, uh, it came across the wire that uh, Cory Gardner was out there uh, calling for a partial reopening funding of the government and a partial funding of the wall. And this wall is one of the most important kind of line in the sand for for Trump. So let's go to break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about that. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. 
For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. Uh, I am Kim Munson. We have in studio with us Stephen Kessler, a millennial scholar, and very excited to talk about immigration with you here on the next uh, couple of segments. Yes, ma'am. It will be very interesting. So check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of upcoming guests, subjects, uh, special events. We've got a very special event that uh, we will be uh, doing on January 28th with Dr. Tom Cranawitter going through the Federalist Papers. Uh, I would recommend that you go online and get uh, get registered for this because registrations are coming in fast and furious. And I think that we're going to get to capacity. So if you want a spot, you better get on there and get on our uh, website, go to the link and get signed up. But it is 2019, Stephen Kessler. Yes, ma'am. And what do people want to do with their future? Maybe you have worked hard. And uh, built a business and the kids don't want it. Is it time to sell your business? Or perhaps you've recently retired from the military or that corporate job and you want to create some cash flow in the future. Then it's time for you to buy a business. Well, Chris Cantwell is a business broker with Transworld Business Advisors. And Chris Cantwell buys and sells, helps people buy and sell opportunity. He is an advocate for entrepreneurship, the voluntary exchange of value between individuals, and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary complimentary consultation to find out how Chris can help you sell your business or buy your next opportunity. Chris's website is cccellscompanies.com. That's like Chris Cantwell. So it's cccellscompanies.com. And uh, be sure and uh, check it out because uh, I think there's great opportunity, even though it's been a little crazy in the stock market. Uh, It looks like the underlying foundational um, um, blocks of our economy are doing well. So be sure and check that out. That's cccellscompanies.com. So, okay, I'm dying to talk with you a little bit about this, Uh, Steve Kessler. Um, Okay, Mitt Romney came out with this op-ed. And uh, what what was your thoughts on it? I, I I felt that he really came after the president. But what did you get out of that? Sure. So the first thing is I, I wasn't quite sure what he was hoping to accomplish. It was kind of critical without offering any without offering any sort of constructive types of you know it was just a fair amount of platitudes and things I, I agree with him on. I actually as much as I do like President Trump. I agree that his temperament can be a little rough around the edges Mm -hmm. and that it's not quite presidential. And then I do agree that the president sets the tone for the country. However, I agreed with uh, who who was the guy we just um, Uh, uh, Dan Benning. Yeah, Dan Benning, when he was reading all of Trump's accomplishments. Oh, that was Bob Ducos. Oh, Bob Ducos. Uh Bob Ducos. I agree with Bob Ducos that Trump has been hitting it out the park. But let me see. Well, yeah, you know, and while you're looking that up, I mean, it is absolutely astounding what he was talking about. There was about 15 different things that all of those things help everyday Americans. I don't think that they realize it. You know, it's it's kind of like if I feel like, you know, I can turn the lights on and I can take my kids to school and, and just get the basic things done in life, 
then life is good. I, I don't think people understand that there are policies that have been in place that that are threatening that. Uh, and, of course, we see this with all these uh, so, social Democrats that have been elected or socialist Democrats that have been uh, elected to, to Congress. Uh, so I don't think people understand the risk. I think Donald Trump does. And he has been busy the last couple of years. So what were you going to say, Stephen? Well, you know, I think Romney is a, a polite guy. He's a gentleman. He's, you know, he's got his he's got his act together. But unfortunately, he doesn't stand for much. He, his nickname is the flip-flopper. He, he tries to take the high road. And sadly, while I think it's a noble effort, you can't win taking the high road in the year 2020 in politics. It's just not going to happen. But I don't think, okay, I don't think that he took the high road with this op-ed. Uh, as you just had mentioned, what was he trying to accomplish? There is no reason. He wasn't even sworn in as the new senator from Utah. And to have this particular op-ed in the Washington Post, which is no friend of everyday freedom-loving people and people that want to thrive and flourish and take care of their families, uh, I don't think that that's a high road. I I thought that that was a real low blow. Okay, so I guess you were correct about that. I I thought it was... I guess I agree then. It wasn't exactly constructive, and he was taking shots at the president, despite the fact that he, in the beginning, says, you know, Trump is doing reasonably well. But I'm not really sure. Again, I just don't know what the point of of writing this letter was. Well, you know what I think. I think that the establishment... Uh, on both sides of the aisle, clearly the Democrats think that they that they've got Trump. They think that they are are uh, got a noose that they they think that they are going to tighten, and they think that they've got Trump. And then on the establishment side of the Republican Party, uh, and I think Mitt Romney is 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 the epitome of that. And his running mate Paul Ryan, who uh, just recently was the Speaker of the House. When we had a Republican House, didn't get some things done that I think the American people really, really expected. One of those was the repeal of Obamacare. When it really mattered, yes. they didn't get it done. And they could have. And then they did not make tax cuts permanent. And that is unfortunate because if, in fact, you know, it becomes a Democrat House, which we have, and say maybe a Democrat Senate in the future, they would have to debate in front of the American people why they were going to raise taxes, but uh, they did not make the th- they did not make those permanent. And then immigration. Uh, we had on Wednesday a number of Liberty Toastmasters. Just a note: Liberty Toastmasters will be meeting. Uh, the central one will be meeting on Saturday morning, ten o'clock at the Independence Institute. We would love to have you. But as several of the members called in, and Greg Morrissey who is now a citizen, immigrated from Australia, had to go through the actual citizenship classes, you know, to become a citizen. And he has a deep appreciation for America. When people are coming in and they are not assimilating, they are not learning the language. They do not... pluribus unum. From many, one. They don't understand. They do not understand what it is that has made America great. And uh, so I guess at that point, uh, well, let's just talk a little bit more about Cory Gardner, who also came out. I was so disappointed to see this last night. Uh, Apparently yesterday he has uh, uh, said that he has a plan to uh, partially reopen the government 
and partially fund the wall. And uh, we need to stand strong behind President Trump on this immigration issue. And uh, I think, again, the establishment, many establishment Republicans think that they smell blood in the water. And so you're going to see people start to pull away, um, pull away that, you know, and they may have aspirations to try to run for president in 2020 or 2024. Uh, But I was really disappointed to see that. So Stephen Kessler, uh, you know what, let's do this. Let's go to an early break uh, on this. um, And then I want to come back and talk about your paper, because I think that this really nails the issue. Before we do that, though, we're talking about Washington. And uh, I tell you what, Act 2 Reforms is doing some really important work. Uh, They are working to adjust the division of power in Washington, D.C. for a more fair, disciplined, open and transparent government, regardless of the political party in power. Act 2 Reforms is part of the Article 5 Convention of the States movement. They're located right here in Colorado. The five things that they want to focus on, Stephen, is one, they suggest that we enforce the rule of law on all federal employees. Like, duh. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, exactly. Suggest that we give Congress a quick tool to block new regulations. You know, I we are to be a representative government, not an administrative government. So I'm liking that. They suggest that we apply term limits on both Congress and the judiciary. That's one of those I still kind of want to have a conversation. I have good friends that are, are term limit people. I'm not I'm struggling a little bit on the judiciary, but we have to have a conversation about this. Number four, they suggest that we make Congress account for all claims on the federal budget. Uh, it looks like yesterday, I think that the Democrats, uh, it sounds like we had Ken Buck on yesterday. He said that they're going to try to get rid of the, the debt limits. Not a good thing. And then number five, Act to Reforms is suggesting that we sharply reduce the power of money in Washington. So if you think there's too much money and influence in D.C., check out act2blueprint.org. That's act2blueprint.org. And uh, be sure to help them out. You know, we can't just be keyboard cowboys uh, emailing or Facebooking with just the people we know. You need to step forward. You need to do one thing every day to make sure that we are passing something great on to the next generation. So this is the Americhicks. I'm Kim Munson. Stephen Kessler is our guest. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your view on immigration. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks, Molly & Kim, recommend Predovich & Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. 
Oh, welcome back to the Americhicks. Uh, I'm Kim Munson. Love that song. And uh, what a great show we have for you today. We have uh, one of our favorite millennial scholars in studio with us, Stephen Kessler. And uh, be sure be sure to check out the website, uh, Americhicks.com. That's where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. And sign up for our fabulous event that will be starting on January 28th. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, going through the Federalist Papers with Dr. Tom Cranawitter. Uh, and I'd recommend sign up sooner versus later because we do have a limit. And uh, we are actually just about, depending on how many seats we can figure out, we're at either half or 30%. We're working on that, and uh, we still have about four weeks to go. So we are very excited about that. Stephen Kessler, Immigration. Uh, you know, uh, we just talked about uh, Mitt Romney was coming out after Donald Trump. Yesterday, Cory Gardner came out and is calling for partial reopening of the government and partial funding for the wall. Uh, immigration has been one of those lines in the sand that Donald Trump has made. And um, you have just recently had a piece published in the Vogelin View. That's V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N View. Dot com, V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N-V-U dot com. And it's titled Constructive Dialogues, Understanding Immigration. Okay, so this is, give us the cliff notes on this. All right, so when it comes to immigration, the single most important thing we have to understand is the single most important premise in liberalism and the single most important incongruence between liberalism and conservatism. Okay. And that is the natural goodness of man corrupted by society. So the, fa- the godfather and patron saint of liberalism is Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book most famously called The Social Contract. Rousseau believed that human beings are born benevolent, naturally good, pure, dot, 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 but we are corrupted by society. Evil in the world comes not from within, but is introduced from without via society, and that by fixing society, we can fix the world. And so to apply that to immigration, liberals believe that we're naturally good. And so that's where their mind goes. Think of all the people we can help. And they're very right that, you know, there are many, many families out there who are honest and hardworking and who just want a better life and who just want to come here. And those people are very real. They're not wrong. But But. the conservatives, on the other hand, believe in an ethical dualism, an angel on this shoulder and a devil on this one. The devil, our evil inclination, is in charge of man's unruly passions and appetites. And that, yeah, there's a lot of good out there, but there's also great evil in the world. And that we have to be careful because there's a psychological concept called loss aversion by Kahneman and Fersky. And what they say is that the sting of a loss is infinitely greater than the elation of a victory. Losing hurts infinitely more than winning feels good. And so it's much more important to prevent the bad and still prevent some of the good than enable the good, which also enables the bad. Okay. Am I making sense? You are making sense. Okay. It's about the good people versus MS-13. The liberal mind goes to the natural goodness of man, and they think about all the good people they can help. The conservatives are concerned with all of the evil and bad things that can happen with open borders. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking about like a, a Nancy Pelosi or these leaders that are for open borders. Um, I 
I'm not sure that I think, given their actions, that they really are trying to help people. I, it seems to me that they are using this issue of immigration. They're, in fact, using these people, you know, the, the, the caravan. Uh, somebody was down there organizing people to come to, to come to America. In fact, do you remember that picture that, on Time Magazine where it was the little girl uh, looking up at the Border Patrol about, uh, about midnight? It was, it was a, a very, you know, I mean, a, a touching picture. Uh, but the truth behind the picture was that, first of all, you got to figure out, how was it that the, the uh, photographer was there at that time of night? I mean, there's a lot of this stuff that I think is being staged. It's a bit dodgy. Yeah, but I researched it, and the mother of the little girl, the, the father was still back in Honduras with the three other children that they had. And he said, I didn't know that my wife was going to leave. But then he also said that she paid $6,000 to a coyote to actually make the trip. And I'm thinking, how, A, if she's really poor, how did she come up with the $6,000? And something is not congruent in that story. So it seems to me like somehow uh, the American people are being duped because I think a lot of people do like to believe in the goodness of man. Mm -hmm. But somehow that's being used against us. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're definitely making appeals to emotion. Um, You know, the liberals also believe in the natural equality of man, that we're all equals and it's just society, that by bringing all of these people in, they will suddenly be in a better society and they'll be our equals and there'll be no transition difficulties. They won't bring any problems with them. And there's no belief that maybe these people live worse lives because they behave worse than we do here. And so, you know, they can kind of, I think the word would be an a priori assumption. It's these beliefs that are not visual that are theorized but not necessarily observed and then they kind of they create the ideology and then they try to structure life around it okay but ultimately it seems to me that the elites of the uh, and i hate to say liberal view i want to say like the progressive activists uh that particular view there actually is an elitism though they do not believe that they are uh, that these other people are equal to them. From what I've seen, that they, they think that they are smarter than everybody. And, and, and in essence, they don't believe in the quality of everybody. Sure. So Thomas Sowell refers to this as the vision of the anointed. Uh, for those of you at home listening who aren't familiar, Thomas Sowell is a true American genius. Yes, He's he a is. professor at the Hoover Center at Stanford. He's written probably 40 books. And he refers to these people as the anointed, that they have eaten from the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. And aha, they are now in possession of this knowledge. And we need to get out of their way and let them run the world for us. And But these are people that also are putting fences around their houses. They live in gated communities. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I, I was... Skin in the game. Yeah, I was looking at the news this week, and they there was actually a complete photo um, progression of the 10-foot fence that was being built around the Obama's property in Washington, D.C. So, so there's something that doesn't match up. So one of the questions I always ask with liberals is, do you have any skin in the game? Because if you have no skin in the game, then it's no skin off your back. You know, these people aren't aren't dealing with immigration. They live in gated mansions. They have security. And they're not, you know, they're, they're insulating themselves from the consequences of this stuff. And they have no skin in the game. So if this goes wrong, it's no skin off their back. 
Okay, so let's talk just a little bit about Donald Trump. He has has made this line in the sand. We have had both Republican and Democrat administrations. We have had uh, Congress, both Democrat and Republican, that have not addressed this issue. And we are, I mean, I hope that, I hope that we can address it, but we have, we've brought in so many people that we have not required them to assimilate. I was just talking to someone recently uh, that, that was of the other political persuasion, if you will, not a conservatarian, let's put it that way. And he was talking about a, a family. There was a woman that had been here uh, undocumented. She's gone back to Mexico, has four younger children there. She has four children that are young adults here. Only one of them has their act together. Everybody else is living on some kind of public assistance or in some kind of public programs. Now, compassionate moms out there, that, that suburban mom out there that wants to help everybody, you've got to realize that those resources are being taken away mm-hmm. from Americans that, that could be helped. Sure. So there's two things to understand. The first is that the conservative views the central unit of life as the family unit. We are not a civilization of individuals, but rather a civilization of families, and that the country is an extension of the family. And so when you say you're going to help foreign people before you help us, that's like, you know, imagine if you came home from work and your parents said they got a bonus at work or on your, you know, when you were a kid and then they said, well, you know, we could fix the water heater or the windows or we could give the money to the neighbors. I mean, there would be a mutiny in the house, right? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it quite like that. And, and, and so it's the old adage, like on an airplane, make sure that you put your oxygen mask on first sure. and take care of your, you know, what you're supposed to be responsible for. Because otherwise, if you don't, you can't take care of anybody. It's called life raft ethics. There was this guy, Garrett Harding, and he wrote an essay that will not win any favors with the title, but it was called The Case Against Helping the Poor. And what he was getting at was if you're on a ship like the Titanic and it goes down, the life rafts you are, you know, if you need to get on a life raft, it can only support 10 people at a time. When you bring the 11th on, all 10, including the 11th, will die. But if you say no, to the 11th, the 10 people can live. And so it's cruel and it's callous and we can be difficult to people like that. But we have to say no, because, you know, when we let everyone else in, it's going to bring everyone else down. However, Stephen Kessler, yes. <laughs> if those 10 survive and they, they make it back to the land and start to be entrepreneurs and to create business, they might be able to come up with a business that would have more life rafts that would save 10 here, 10 here, and 10 here. But if that 11th person gets on and the life raft goes down, there will be no option for that life raft in the future, right? Yes, 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 exactly. It's called life raft ethics, and it's, it's rough. You know, life is tough. The human condition is tragic. And it's, you know, we want to help everyone, but we can't bring every homeless person off the street into our lives. Well, and, you know, I, we've got to have you back. We're just about out of time. But with all of these different issues, immigration, uh, I recently posted something on our Facebook regarding uh, basically the, the homeless industrial complex. I submit to you that there is an immigration, an illegal immigration industrial complex. I think there is an affordable housing industrial complex. And there are people that are living off of the, the goodwill of everyday Americans that want to help others.
mm-hmm. and they have created these complexes. And then the people that they quote unquote are, are helping, they're no longer people. They're pets. Sure. And that is not the American idea. We are individuals. We're gritty. And uh, we believe in the well-being of everyday individuals. So uh, another Thomas Sowell line. I mean, he's just full of them. He is. The best thing you can do for someone on welfare is to get them off it. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. And so people respond to incentives. And when we incentivize these things, when we incentivize the the illegal immigrants to come, when we incentivize homelessness, when we incentivize crime, people will respond to it. We'll have more of that. So, hey, Stephen Kessler, we are out of time. Thank you very much. I'm going to have you back really soon, okay? Uh, Guys, check me out on LinkedIn, Stephen Kessler. I'm currently looking for a position in the conservative movement, and I'd love to connect with somebody. Well, and we're going to have you back really soon. So, quick quote, the true greatness by C.E. Flynn. A man is as great as the dreams he dreams, as great as the love he bears, as great as the values he redeems and the happiness he shares. A man is as great as the thoughts he thinks and as the worth he has attained, as the fountains at which his spirit drinks and the insight he has gained. A man is as great as the truth he speaks, as great as the help he gives, as great as the destiny he seeks, as great as the life he lives. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you, Stephen Kessler. Thank you, Steve, our producer. We're the Marichicks. We'll be back on Monday.